program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, this week coming to you live from Georgetown, Kentucky. And don't forget, it's going to be this Sunday at Old Friends Retirement Center. Of course, we've had Michael Blowen on Winning Ponies several times. We're going to uh, be fetting some fantastic writers and photographers and editors and videographers of the Thoroughbred Times. Uh, I'm sure by now you heard the word that uh, they filed for bankruptcy through no fault of the people I just mentioned, and uh, there will be a class action lawsuit involved. A lot of people owed a lot of money with the rug just pulled out from under them. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to get a chance to uh, talk to Mark Simon, the editor, on uh, on Sunday. I'm going to stop by there and see all the gang from the Thoroughbred Times. I'm looking forward to it. Many of them have been on uh, the uh, Winning Ponies airwaves and uh, see if he can't come on and try to tell us exactly what happened because uh, it sure doesn't have a real good smell to it. But nonetheless... Uh, that, that, that's next week, and uh, hopefully the Thoroughbred Times will find a buyer and somebody will come back. This is just going to be a humongous uh, week in racing. We've got uh, just so, so much going on. I mean, this week broadcasting from Georgetown, last week from uh, Seattle, Washington, and while I was lost in the Badlands of South Dakota, my friend Ed Meyer substituted for me very well, and I certainly appreciate uh, Ed's efforts all the time. Hope to have him on as a guest handicapper again soon. I know he's one of the show's favorites. Uh, our guest this week, uh, we're going to have uh, Julie Baylog, who's the Director of Communications at Keeneland. Uh, they're kicking off their fall meet, and a lot of new things happening with uh, with Keeneland. They're staying on the cutting edge. Of course, they have a new head there. Uh, Nick Nicholson bowed out last year after, I believe, about 15 years. And uh, they're staying on the cutting edge of the uh, social media contest, things like that. We'll let Judy fill us in. And then we're going to have the Uber Capper. That's right, Ellis Starr. He's been studying horse racing and handicapping for over 35 years. Uh, he puts his money where his mouth is, participating in a lot of handicapping tournaments. And I'm uh, throwing a challenge out to him because I'm going to ask him to handicap no less than five races. So uh, stay tuned and get your pens out and uh, write some of his picks down. Again, you know, a big week. It kicks off tomorrow with the Darley uh, Elsabides, which is a grade one at Keeneland. Also, uh, the, the Phoenix, the oldest continuous running stakes race in the country. And then uh, on Saturday, it's just going to be an amazing day. Uh, both of the races I just named were Breeders' Cup winner and you're in. So is the Champagne and the Frisette, which we will be uh, 
handicapping from Belmont Park, uh, the Shadwell Turf Miles, a win and you're in, and the Dixiana uh, Breeders Futurity, as well as the Thoroughbred Club of America. Uh, those are the races uh, we will be handicapping. Let's not forget this is also Maryland Million Weekend, so uh, those of you that like to handicap in that part of the country are going to have some great races. And on Sunday, it doesn't stop. Uh, Belmont Park, you got the uh, win and you're in Miss Grillo, the Pilgrim Stakes, uh, also a Breeders' Cup race, as well as the uh, Spinster from Keeneland and the Bourbon Stakes. All of those will have Breeders' Cup implications. So this is going to be a power-packed show. Hope I can get it all in in 60 minutes. I uh, just want to let you folks, you're doing your part. That's right. It was a solid month for wagering and purses in the U.S. Wagering the U.S. just from month to month, September 12th to September 11th, up over 2%. How about uh, the purses up 13.7%? And if you're comparing year to date, uh, the wagering is up 2.3. Purses are up over 9%, and race days up slightly 1.7. So you folks are uh, doing your job. Again, uh, as many good races as we're going to try to cover this week, I don't want to forget Maryland Million Day. Uh, several defending champions will be back. Ben's Cat. Um, Eight Too Fast to Catch and Sloan Ranger are headlining the fields that they will be there. That's an 11 race card that will offer over a million dollars worth of purses. Uh, quick reminder, uh, some tracks will be carrying the Arc de Triomphe. Had some interesting changes across there. Of course, uh, back on September 15th, Camelot just missed uh, becoming uh, the first Triple Crown winner since, I believe, Nuriev across the pond. But uh, Aiden O'Brien's going to run him back, but there's going to be some, uh, some shuffling here. Uh, his son, Joseph, is usually the pilot of Camelot, but O'Brien is going to ride St. Nicholas Abbey, who ran a very good race in the Breeders' Cup last year, while Frankie DeTore is going to pick up the mount on Camelot. And the reason is, as a three-year-old, Camelot gets a break in the arc weights, and O'Brien, if you've ever seen his son, be more eligible to be a basketball player than a jockey. So uh, Frankie DeTore is certainly not a bad substitute uh, for a race like the Arc. A lot of bizarre circumstances uh, over there. Uh, one of the tracks had a case of swamp fever, and that means that uh, the defending Arc champion, Dan DeDream, won't be leaving the yard, as they say. And then on Tuesday, Nathaniels, who would have been one of the Arc favorites, was taken out of consideration after showing signs of illness through blood tests. Now, for the first time in history, uh, you'll be able to wager into the world's second largest pool and gain a chance for some huge payoffs uh, featuring the seven Group 1 events topped by the Prix de l'Arctique Triomphe, Europe's premier event. Of course, that race and our money is about $5.15 million, making it even richer than the Breeders' Cup. Never before have American horse players been able to wager into this common pool, so check an OTB or a track near you to see if you can get in on the wagering. Uh, interesting days ahead for uh, one of my favorite all-time jockeys. Got to watch him win his first race in the U.S., Rafael Bejarano. I uh, just had an, an amazing week with three graded stakes races. And, um, of course, he won the title at, at the Hollywood Park uh, and Del Mar. Uh, he's now won 12 riding titles at Southern California. He had a to close call. He went down in a spill on Friday, but he was back working horses 
on Saturday. This is one gutsy Peruvian rider. I can I can tell you that. Uh, and of course, uh, we're going to talk a little bit later about the Pacific Classic, where uh, he deputized for Chantel Sutherland this week. And now uh, this Saturday, he's going to be all the way back in my neighborhood somewhat. He's going to be at Hoosier Park uh, to ride four stakes on Baffert Trade Runners, including FedBiz in the half a million dollar Indiana Derby. Uh, and then in between that, he's going to be riding at Santa Anita on Friday and Sunday. I would love to have his air miles. But nonetheless, congratulations to the Killer Bees, Baffert and Bejarano. Uh, they've just been so awesome this year. They really have. Uh, other jockey news that we have, Rosie Napravnik, well, you know that she moved her tack to New York. For the last five months, she's been there. Looks like she's going to be coming down my way in the Bluegrass State. She's going to be at Keeneland and then uh, make her way to Churchill Downs and eventually find her way back in New Orleans. Uh, Her agent is now Derek Duconing. She was the leading rider at the last two fairgrounds meets. Uh, She ranked 10th uh, at New York, and, of course, uh, she's got the regular mount on Cowie Katie, uh, who uh, was just dominant in the $200,000 matron at Belmont Park. That's Jackie News for Trainer News. I wouldn't mess around with anybody in New Mexico. Heath Reed, the leading quarter horse trainer, been suspended 21 years by the New Mexico Racing Commission. Uh, he was using demorphin, which is an opiate devi- de- that comes from a substance secreted by some species of South American tree frogs. So if you see any tree frogs around your horses, do what you can to keep them away. If you're in New Mexico, you could end up getting 21 years. Uh, on some good uh, horse news, Painter, it seems like I've been keeping up with him every week and something different happens every week. Well, this week he was moved to the University of Pennsylvania's New Bolton Center, did have an operation, and they removed 15 inches of external growth from his intestines, and uh, it looks like, uh, once again, that he's, he's turning the corner and he's going to be well. I know his connections have said they'd love for him to be well, gain his weight back, and race him as a four-year-old. You know, he, from only six starts, he's won just shy of a million dollars. Of course, his big race, uh, the Haskell, again, would love to see him come back and race as, as an older horse. Speaking of older horses making comebacks, how about Animal Kingdom? They're not going to waste any time to pussyfooting around with this horse. He's planning on making his return, the Kentucky Derby winner of 2011, in the Breeders' Cup Mile. Uh, of course, uh, his, uh, he's a son of a horse I can't pronounce. I'm going to say Le Rosamagneau, who finished second in the 2005 Breeders' Cup Mile. And uh, this would be his first start in more than eight months and second in almost a year uh, back and uh, of course, don't forget the horse did it. He came back and, uh, and and won the Breeders' Cup Mile. We'll see if Animal Kingdom can. So uh, that's uh, very good news for a couple of horses turning the corner there. Now we're coming up the Breeders' Cup Classic. God knows how good this race is going to be. Hopefully, you got to see the Gold Cup uh, flat out uh, return to his favorite track. 
uh, at the, in the Jockey Club Gold Cup at Belmont Park, and he'll be going in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, he just was kind of flat since winning last year's uh, Jockey Club Gold Cup, and it was one heck of a race. He needed the whole length uh, because uh, State Thirsty was no easy horse to pass in the lane. Now, flat out, kind of entering the history book here, uh, he's the 10th horse to win the Jockey Club Gold Cup back-to-back years, and he's in some good company. Well, if you go back early, of course, Matt Hatter, Dark Sequa. Then you've got horses, a little more well-known uh, to many of you listeners, Nashua, uh, Kelso, Shuvi, uh, Slew of Gold, Creme Fresh, Skip Away, and Curlin. And Skipaway and Curlin both took this race and went on to win the Breeders' Cup Classic. This horse is trained by Bill Mott, who's no stranger. He won it last year with Drossemeyer and a 95 with Cigar. And uh, this year he's coming with guns loaded. It looks like he's going to have uh, not only flat out, but Ron the Greek and to honor and serve, who uh, was the favorite in that race and just kind of came up a little bit empty. Again, uh, Stay Thirsty, who ran such a gutsy race when beaten only ahead by Flat Out on Saturday. It looks like uh, he's going to make his swan song one more time in either the Breeders' Cup Classic or the Breeders' Cup Mile, even potentially the Cigar Mile at Aqueduct. Uh, One of those will be his final race. It has been announced, uh, and it looks like he is going to be retired to stud, and it looks like he's going to join his buddy, Uncle Mo at Ashford Stud. So the old stablemates will be back together this time at Stud. Another great race. Hope you had a chance to see it out at Santa Anita. That's right. Game on, dude. Dominated. As you recall, we talked about the Switching jocks last week, Rafael Bayarano replaced Chantel Sutherland, and he absolutely turned in a flawless ride. Again, he and Baffert teamed up. Uh, you think it was uh, a hockey game because they all had a hat trick uh, with uh, three raid one wins on Saturday. But Game On Dude, it was just a beautiful ride by Bayarano. Uh, and this time, Game On Dude has been getting rank, uh, turning into the backstretch. Did not. He went smooth. Of course, Bayarano is the regular exercise rider of Game On Dude, so he knows the horse very well. Of course, one of the three owners of Game On Dude is none other than Joe Torrey. Always great to have some sports personalities involved in the sport. Uh, At Belmont Park, point of entry, won its fifth straight, uh, and uh, this was the Joe Hurst Turf Classic, so it looks like we're probably going to see him in in the Breeders' Cup. This was another win and you're in. And uh, so he'll most probably be in the Breeders' Cup turf. A little dis- disappointment in here, a horse we were talking about a couple weeks ago, who, uh, you know, came from very uh, modest pedigree. Little Mike, who just uh, put him to sleep in the Arlington Million, tried to do it again. Uh, he was the second choice at 2-1, to one, went through slow fractions, got, got 51 and change and 118 over the turf course, but it was a yielding one, and he uh, re- retreated back and finished a, a distant fifth. Uh, but uh, certainly it looks like uh, point of entry is going to be America's best chance for the Breeders' Cup uh, turf, at least at this point in time. Now, McGee, what he likes is he's such a big horse, he's worried about the yielding turf course, uh, in New York, and he feels that when he gets out to the West Coast, he's going to have a tight one, and uh, that's going to help him. A bit of an upset here in uh, 
in New York, uh, Jersey Town, Barkley Tago was going to run him in the Vosburg, uh, but instead he decided to run him in the Kelso, where he had to face top horse Shackelford and got it done. Shackelford coming off the Met Mile handicap uh, in May, and uh, Jersey Town, it was uh, the first win for him since the Cigar Mile in 2010. And Tag, he was in a bit of a slump himself. It was his first win. Since June 16th, he had won 47 consecutive races. Again, out on the West Coast, Santa Anita, love and pride. She went from flag fall to that's all in the quarter million dollars in yada stakes at Santa Anita. Uh, won by over joyful victory and include me out. Uh, love and pride by AP Indy. She's now on 7 of 16 and just under a million dollars. She'll be Breeders' Cup bound. Not sure about this two-year-old, Cowie Katie. But uh, Rosie Napravnik is on a hot one. She dominated the $200,000 matron on Sunday by seven and a half lengths. Showed some diversity there and was able to come from off the pace. Did not have to go wire to wire. Sat off Baby J. The victory was her third and three starts after winning her maiden by 12 and the grade two Adirondack at Saratoga. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, more and more horses uh, jumping up and showing their stuff uh, for the Breeders' Cup. Let's not forget uh, Wes Ward. He's going to be there with Politically Correct, who won the Oklahoma Derby, another Breeders' Cup win in your in. Also, uh, Lumber Guy, there's going to be options for him. Uh, he could go uh, to the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Uh, he's uh, four for five in one-turn races, uh, but he would have to meet up with Amazombie in the sprint. I'm not sure that's something you want to do. Amazombie, you're going to get to watch him uh, run this weekend in the Santa Anita Sprint Championship. Again, Hall of Famer uh, Mike Smith will be up. Uh, those two have teamed up to win just under $2 million with Amazombie. And let's not forget Dullahan. Uh, he's going to have multiple options going into the Breeders' Cup, and he's going to be running this weekend in the Jamaica Handicap. Uh, this race, a mile and eighth, is going to be on the inner turf. They're pretty much decided he is not a dirt horse, and uh, that's where they're going to go. They're going to they're run him in the Jamaica Handicap this week at Belmont Park. Just so much good racing. Make sure you get out. Of course, uh, soon uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Judy Baylog at Keeneland. Uh, Aikenite is going to make his first start since they thought he was retired. Uh, no stud farms are jumping up and, and taking him, so he's going to make his swan song most probably in the Stoll Keenan Ogden Phoenix here uh, tomorrow uh, at Keeneland. So uh, not only will you see that race at Keeneland, but tomorrow you may also see uh, the Darley Alcibiades, which is another Breeders' Cup win in your end. A great rematch race between the, the one, two, three finishers of the Arlington, Washington, Lassie. Well, I could go on. Do want to remind you that you got uh, the Woodford at Saturday, and you've even got some great races at Indiana Downs with the Indiana Oaks and the Indiana Derby. So make sure you get the grass mowed earlier. Do what you got to do on Saturday and get out to the races. There's going to be some great ones. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies, and when we come back, we're going to find out all the skinny of what's going on at Keeneland as they open up. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports... 
America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of the best PR machines in the country. Uh, she teams up with the the two Amys. Uh, the absolutely, we 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 can't forget them. And uh, it's it just it, it's a great team down there at Keeneland. Of course, I'm talking about uh, Amy Gregory and Amy Owens. Uh, you, you guys just have everything covered from uh, from sun up to sun down at Keeneland. Uh, you, you don't seem to be able to uh, to miss a thing. <clears throat> so. Anybody that wants any news uh, about Keeneland, uh, just get on your computer. You'll find out. And uh, these ladies definitely put it up there. But this year they're going to be putting up even more, I'm finding out, that they're, just, they're going to be staying connected to fans through social media and advanced technology. Uh, but before I get on to all the details of what's going on, Julie, I just want to ask you how you're doing and how things are feeling for the upcoming meet. You know, I feel as good as I've ever felt going into a fall meet. And I think I really was buoyed when I saw those entries on Tuesday and those big full fields. There's nothing more fun than having a big racing card with lots of great racing. Even the undercard races are impressive. And that kind of thing puts me in the mood that this is, uh, this is Fall Stars weekend. This is what we, these are the kinds of things that we work towards. This is what we do. And so, it's fun to do all of the other things, but when you when you start seeing the horses come in, you come in early and you see the horses on the track, it's like, okay, this is why I do what I do. I, absolutely. And, I mean, pretty much, if you're watching the works at Keeneland, you better have your head on a swivel. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're clocking 150, 170 horses some mornings. I mean, it just is it's constant. And I've always been amazed. Uh, if I know a lot of probably your listeners know this, but uh, people who aren't really as familiar the job of the clocker is so fascinating to me and how they work. And if you want to know what's going on at the racetrack, if you want to know what horse to watch in the race, you need to look at clocker's comments. And that's actually something that Keeneland puts on its site. Not not necessarily every racetrack does it, but we do have our clockers log into our website, and they give comments on horses. And so I'm telling you, if there's not, if you're looking for a different angle, go to the clocker's comment site on in the racing section and, and track a few of those horses. We even make it easy for you with an in-today report so you can say, okay, today's date, and you'll find which horses have comments on them. They don't miss much. <laughs> no, I, I love that, and that's so true as one who's, who's 
always, I don't like getting up early, but I love watching the workouts. <laughs> and it is so true because you see, number one, whether or not you've got a 150-pound exercise rider on the horse or if you've got, you know, uh, a, a jockey up or a light exercise rider. And then the, also you, you get to see exactly how the horse finishes up. Does he finish up with a relish? Yes. Was he tired? Uh, did he catch a stable mate? And how did he bounce back? I mean, these are all, you know, factors that go in to a horse's workout, not just that time. And it's especially important at a place like Keeneland where it's a short meet, so you don't really necessarily get to see a horse come back and run again. And so looking at something like the works is really, I think it's a real handicapping edge. Um, Something else that we do that might be of interest is we have a polycapping database, and everything going back to uh, fall of 2006, every single race is archived in there, whether it's a turf race or whether it was on the main track. And you can go in there and you can drill down and you can say, okay, I want to see every uh, race on the main track at six furlongs, um, you know, for two-year-olds. And start to drill down and see if you can find patterns, things that are of interest. So if you're, I'm not necessarily a stats person. That's why I went into communications, I say. I'm not very good at math, but if you get, you know, for people who really like to get into the and drill down, that kind of information is really useful. We try to make that available too. Well, Julie, you you have to at Keeneland, and the thing is, you noted that the opportunities are limited. It's it's rare when you get to see a horse run run back, and when they do, I usually bet them. But <clears throat> the other thing is, is you've got horses coming from every part of the world, so oh, I think yeah. it's very important to see how they handled that track when they were there. Yes, and you can see trends on you know shippers. I remember when you probably remember this. There was one spring. It seems like if a horse shipped in from fairgrounds, you should bet it. <laughs> And we that were having deep, fun with yeah, that. <laughs> that deep, tiring track. Now, uh, you're going to have a couple of uh, you know, fun things here, uh, too, which yeah. I think hopefully that these are the things that are going to attract uh, younger, more computer-savvy people uh, to our game, which benefits all of us. I don't care who does it. Uh, if it turns a new fan on, it, it, it can help River Downs. Absolutely. It can help Keeneland. It, it can help uh, you know anybody. And uh, you're going to have a couple contests uh, in your Instagram contest and your fan of the week. You want to touch on those? Sure. In fact, we announced our very first fan of the week um, today, and it's it's a wonderful story. It's a little girl out of Indiana named Caitlin, and her mom wrote. And what it is is we're having people nominate who they think is a, a fan. People aren't maybe as likely to nominate themselves, but I'd be more likely to nominate, say, you, because I know that you you love coming to the races or you love everything about Keeneland. And so if you go to our website or to our Facebook page, you can um, nominate somebody who you think is the biggest Keeneland fan. And this little girl is 10 years old from Indiana, and what her mother wrote was really sweet. She said, for spring break and fall break, she likes to come to Keeneland. Um, and when she has to write a book report or something for her student newspaper, she writes about Keeneland or Lexington. And I thought, how can you not reward that as fan of the week? That's really- <laughs> Absolutely. Even though the week hasn't started, she deserves it. <laughs> and then we have another contest that we're encouraging fans to enter. It's an Instagram contest. And as a photographer, John, I think this will uh, appeal to you. Uh, Instagram is a di- social media channel where you can post pictures. And it will show up on your Facebook feed or it will show up on Keeneland's Instagram channel. And if you use the hashtag FallStars, all one word, F-A-L-L-S-T-A-R-S, take some pictures 
and post it on there with that hashtag, and we'll go through and we'll pick some of the best pictures and highlight them and give away a prize. And so it's just a way to, to get people more involved using technology because one of the things that I've always said about Keeneland is it's every bit as much a social event as it is a sporting event. So when you get them out here and you can get them enjoying the racing, it's fun when they take pictures or they post on their Facebook page or they put something on Twitter and they start to reach their friends and they share the excitement. So maybe their friends say, hey, I need to check out horse racing because you know what, whether you're at Keeneland or you're another track, our goal is just to make people interested in horse racing. Well, you know, and again, you know, I always said over the years that basically you could open up the gates at Keeneland, charge people to get in, hit them with a frying pan, and they'd be right back the next day. <laughs> uh, but it seems to me like your your old commander-in-chief, Nick Nicholson, didn't just stick to that, didn't just stick to, to racing as it was meant to be, and he seemed to uh, to open the door uh, to a lot of this. Now, as we know, uh, Nick has decided to finally enjoy the races instead of having to, to run them at, at Keeneland. Um, are you seeing any uh, differences under your, your new uh, CEO? Our new CEO, Bill Thomason, is fantastic, and he's been with Keeneland for a couple of years. Previously, he was our CFO, and it's been a very, very smooth transition, and I attribute a lot of that to the working relationship that Nick and Bill had. They had a friendship before Bill came here, and they had a great working relationship once they were both here. And under Bill's um, watchful eye, you know, you're not going to see big, huge changes. We're going to continue because there's there's nothing broken here. We're, we're just going to continue to try to do things the right way, and he's continuing to push us to try and say, how do we get new fans in the door? How do we do racing at the highest level possible? And in some years, highest level possible is easier than others. But, you know, we're always striving to be the best that we can do. And whether it's with technology or if it's just fan-friendly innovations, I mean, one of the things that, that Bill's instituting for this fall, we're going to have almost like concierge service around the, the racetrack because on any given day, about 12 to 15% of the people come. It's their first time ever at Keeneland. Really? It is. We have a lot of people who have no experience coming here. And if, and if John, you know this, when you walk in the gates, we're not necessarily laid out like every track in America. And so we are going to have people stationed strategically with iPads looking around. And if you look like you need help, we're going to help get you in your right direction. If you have a question about where you're sitting, we'll help answer it. We want to make it so that as soon as they walk in the gates, as soon as they park their car, we're making this a great experience because nothing will turn them away from racing like having a bad experience. And we're very committed that everybody who comes through the door, this is going to be like a mini vacation for them. Those are the kinds of things that Bill's committed to. It's not necessarily one big thing. It's going to be small incremental changes that really add up to a wonderful experience. Well, now, as much as I am the biggest fan of live racing than anybody you'll meet, you know, I could care less if I ever went to an OTB in my life. I love live racing. I do know that some people come to Keeneland and begin the enjoyment out in the parking lot and have such a good time that for whatever reason they don't make it into the races. But this year you're going to still be able to bring the action out to them? That's right. We've decided to take the mountain to Mohammed, if you will, because we do. We have all these fans. They come. They tailgate. Tailgating at Keeneland is another one of those phenomenons that's really taken off. And so we do. We're thinking, well, we're getting them here. Let's go ahead and see if we can make it easy for them to wager. So one of the things we're doing is we've extended our network so that if you are in our designated tailgating lot or in what we call the Louisville lot where a lot of our Louisville patrons like to swing in and tailgate, 
you will be able to wager from the tailgate lots on Fridays and Saturdays. It's an experiment. Like a lot of things that we do at Keeneland, we're not afraid to try something new. Hopefully it'll work. One thing I'll tell you, our patrons always give us feedback. If we can make it better, we will. And, you know, we're, we're not afraid to try. And if it works, we're going to make it even bigger. And if it doesn't work, then we'll tweak it till we get it right. Well, I hope uh, racetrack executives and marketing managers from across the country are, are listening to, to Winning Ponies uh, right now. Uh, also looking down here, you know, there's, there's nothing like uh, being touted. And I know this as a former and current public handicapper, people love to know, hey, who you like? And you've got two of the best in Jeremy Plonk and Joe Christofek who are going to be doing uh, live chats on Keeneland.com. That has grown to be one of our most successful endeavors, and we actually offer it every day of the race meet. And, yes, you can go. We, we are also one of the last tracks in America that will continue to, to show our live signal on our website. So if you can't be here, you can tune into Keeneland.com and watch it. And so on that same page where you can watch the live racing, you can also participate in the live chat. And Joe and Jeremy are so informed. They're so knowledgeable. And it's great for experts or novices because you can you can get on that chat, and if you have a basic question, they can help you. If you have a pretty, uh, you know, in-depth question for somebody who's who's probably been playing the ponies for a while, they can hang right there with you too. And those chats on a, you know, anybody would would love to to get the numbers we're getting. I mean, they're off the charts popular, and I I think. Just as much as anything, those chats have done a lot to introduce people to our product and to get them excited about our product. And Jeremy and Joe are both great ambassadors for what we're trying to achieve here. They, they do it the Keeneland way is the way I like to describe it. Yeah, they do, and I know that you're supporters of the night school program, which I think is uh, one of the most innovative uh, teaching tools that we've had in racing in, in a long, long time. Great guys, good handicappers. They'll give you a price, too, Yeah, and they'll be honest <laughs> with you. They're not going to cold water you. They let you know who they bet. I've seen them tiptoe to a window themselves every now and then, so <laughs> I, I'm just really I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm psyched. I, I can't wait to get down there. Um, now, all of the things we just said, what's the best way for a winning pony listener to, to, to get there? Is it, is, is it uh, at Keeneland.Racing? Is it Keeneland.com? Do you tell me, Julie? If you go to Keeneland.com, you'll find everything you need. And another way to follow us is on our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com forward slash Keeneland. A lot of that um, information is found there. Lastly, follow us on Twitter. If you're looking for picks, at Keeneland Racing is our Twitter handle where we give a lot of our picks. That includes Jeremy, Joe, and some of our other folks. So, you know, you'll get all the latest information and updates right there. So we really try to make it easy, depending on whatever you're comfortable using, to give it to you in a format that's usable. All right. Well, listen, I could go on and on, but I've got one of your handicappers, Ellis Starr, coming up, and we're going to break down a couple of your Breeders' Cup winning your end races. Uh, Keeneland, uh, nine Breeders' Cup preps during just the first three days of the fall meet. If you're a fan of top thoroughbred racing, this is where you want to be. Julie Baylog, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank I appreciate you. it. I enjoyed it. Thanks. All right. Say hi to two Amy's for me. I'll see you I in shall. a day or so. Okay. All Bye-bye. right. Take care. Julie Baylog from Keeneland. And up next, the handicapper extraordinaire, 
Ellis Starr. We're going to tap into him. I know that uh, he's ready to uh, to jump on top of the, uh, the the Keeneland races that we've picked out that are uh, just Saturday's Breeders' Cup win on your end. And then uh, we're also going to, uh, after a, a quick break, uh, jump over to New York and take a look at two races that will definitely have impacts on the Breeders' Cup juvenile races. You're listening to winningponies.com. Don't go away. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and right now we're going to be talking to the Uber capper. That's right, a guy that's been handicapping for over 35 years. And again, I told you earlier, he's one that puts his money where his mouth is. He participates in handicapping tournaments. Recently, he won that $30,000 Derby Wards Belmont shootout. And in 2012, how about this? It marks the seventh straight year that Ellis qualified to join an elite group to qualify for the Keeneland Tournament of Champions. Uh, he's the national racing analyst for Equibase and the Thoroughbred Industries' official source for racing information. And uh, of course, uh, the the race of the week story uh, is covered by him. And uh, what can I say? Uh, I, I'm not sure if he's related to Edwin Starr, but I, I think anybody with the name with Ellis Starr ought to have a rock group behind him, like Ellis Starr and, and the Universal Horn Section or something. But with us right now. Ellis Starr, getting ready to sing out some winners. How are you doing, Ellis? I'm doing great, John. Thanks for that intro. Absolutely. Well, Ellis, before we get on to trying to knock out some of the best races in the country, can you give us a little bit of background about what kind of you know brought you into the sport and made you so interested in handicapping the ponies? Well, I used to go to the track in Southern California with my father all the time. We even do the doubleheader sometimes going to... Delmar in the morning and lost the afternoon in Los Alamitos in the evening. So I grew up going to track. My dad was from Brooklyn. He uh, loved to go to the races. And then uh, after a while, I settled into a family business and then decided to start with uh, Trackmaster, which was a startup in the Silicon Valley, the first company to actually sell horse racing information on the Internet. This is before there really was Internet. It was still called Houston at the time, back in the early 90s. And that gravitated to a lot of other things, 
Uh, TrackMaster was acquired by Equibase, which is the, again, the database of the industry. If people don't know all your data in your programs, it comes from the Equibase database. The racing form itself gave up data collection over 20 years ago. Um, they still do a lot of other wonderful things, but they don't do collecting the data. So anyway, um, went to work for TrackMaster and then through Equibase and as part of various jobs, I eventually found out I had a passion not only for making selections, which I've been doing for some time, but also for teaching, I guess, just to say a word. And so I do a lot of group education, fan education, as you saw last month at Turfway Parks Fan Appreciation Day, and do that kind of thing. So it was just a gravitation, finding something kind of the middle of my life that I liked and finding what part of it I was really good at and that made me feel happy. Well, I'm glad that that part of that is is teaching people because, as you know, uh, our sport can just be so, uh, you know, overwhelming to people that start out. It's just a matter of taking them by the hand. Let's go easy. Let's teach them to win, place, and show. Let's give them a reason why they win. And then eventually when you get into the more serious handicapping seminars, you, you can really teach people how to get their teeth into it. Well, I had a real hard time picking this week's races because uh, I, you would really just want to play the whole card at Keeneland. Um, but what I did was I, I tried to whittle it down to the, the for sure Breeders' Cup win and your end races. And uh, the, the first one that, that I selected would be on Saturday, race number six, uh, the Thoroughbred Club of America. It's a grade two. They're going to be dashing six furlongs. Uh, sad to say, uh, one of these horses is going to have to meet Amazon at some point in time. Um, and I'm just wondering how you how you analyze this race. I, I know that I, I've had the chance to watch this uh, this groupie doll uh, race at Keeneland in uh, both of her uh, performances. Uh, she won the Madison uh, last year and was just beaten by Great Hot uh, back in uh, October of 11th. Seems like a horse that uh, A thrives at Keeneland and B is on kind of a winning roll right now. Yeah, she's good on every surface but turf. She's been on turf twice, and you toss those out, and she's got a really good record of basically ten for twelve in the money with seven wins and two of them on synthetic. She just won the Presque Isle Downs Masters at Presque Isle on the Tapita, and then two before that she won the Grade One Madison, uh, which is the spring. I don't say equivalent of this race because that's a Grade One, is a Grade Two, but this is a win you're in. Uh, she does everything right. She has the ability to come from just off the pace or a little farther back. Uh, it might be a little problematic in this race. She's never run six furlongs, which is very odd for a horse with so many starts, 14, to have never run six furlongs. So there's a question of whether she can get up in time, and I'm sure that is a reason some people will be trying to beat her. I think the horse that has the early speed in this race, John, is Honeychild, and she could be very tough. She ran badly in the in the Raven run where Groupie Doll ran second uh, last fall, but she kind of redeemed herself recently with a couple of big scores at Arlington, one from uh, just off the pace and one wire to wire. Um, they were both classified allowance races. I guess there was no stake that kind of fit her conditions. But the uh, poly track at Arlington is really supposed to be, I think it is, the same poly track as Keeneland. So if she ran well there, she could run well. So I see Honeychild going to lead here. Groupie Doll may be running her down, not positive. And then an interesting long shot is one of two from the Pletcher Barn, Giant Sensation. And last time I looked, I think she was 15 to 1 morning line, which you rarely see for a Pletcher trainee. Um, she's a four-year-old who really kind of spun her wheels for a while. It took her a while to get going. She just won her first and second allowance conditions this year. But in her most recent race was her best yet, in which she got beat ahead in the unbridled bell stakes of Delaware. That was two turns. 
cutting back to a sprint, I think she could run really well. And, you know, we talk about my handicapping style, but I handicap horses first, but I also do look at speed figures, whether it's Echo Base or Buyer, it doesn't matter, whatever I have my hands on. Um, but you have to use that to determine, in my opinion, whether horses, if they run their races you think are similar to today, which one will run better. And I have to say that Great Giant Sensation earned a 109 Echo Base figure last time out. Groupie Doll won seven last time out and then won 14 before that. So if perhaps Groupie Doll runs the same race she ran last time and Giant Sensation runs the same race she ran last time, we could see an upset in this race. Well, the, the one thing, and again, I'm going to allude back to, back to Groupie Doll, uh, trained by Buff Bradley, is that um, after a succession of uh, near misses and some third-place finishes, albeit in graded races, uh, he, he decided uh, late in her career to add blinkers, and she is currently undefeated three for three with the blinkers on. Yeah, no no disagreement there. I think the only question is she is trying something for the first time, which is six furlong. I certainly I, – I did make her my top pick on my full card selections, and uh, certainly uh, would not leave her out of any exotic bets anybody makes, pick threes, etc. Uh, even though I think the other two have chances for the various reasons I said, Hind Child, because she could get an easy lead, giant sensation if that last race wasn't a fluke. And when's the last time you saw a Fletcher horse pay $30? <laughs> I don't think I have, quite frankly. <laughs> I'm old, but I'm not that old. Let's let's move on uh, to mile on the 16th. It's the uh, Dixiana Breeders Futurity Grade 1 win your end. Um, this is a two-year-old boy's going a mile and a 16th, a lot of them stretching out to this distance for the first time. A couple of them uh, already have, uh, like uh, the rematch here with the with, with M- anticipation stakes uh, from Saratoga, uh, where you've got uh, uh, Balance the Books, uh, you've got uh, Joha and Charming Kitten uh Come, coming back in here. Uh, this sh- should be uh, very interesting. Then you've got, of course, you, m- you mentioned Todd Pletcher. Uh, Tiz Eraser was just awesome. Uh, wasn't asked for anything and won by ten and a half uh, last time out. And then uh, back in the uh, trainer's uh, standings again is Doug O'Neill, who's adding blinkers and bringing in Super Mario Gutierrez to ride. He's had enough for Paul Redham's racing stable. I think we'll all remember I'll have another. Uh, this race, to me, is, is pr- pretty much wide open. I found it interesting that Garrett Gomez, I know I bet him when he went up to ride Pataki Kid uh, in the Arlington, Washington, Futurity, that uh, um, uh, Tom Proctor is going to have a new jockey on him. <laughs> I just figured Garrett Gomez had found one of his top two-year-olds when he won the Arlington Washington Futurity that easy. Well, you know, some of the, the, the Gomez right now with the jockey colony in California, he pretty much is getting second call behind Bayerano, so there's some nice stakes uh, at Santa Anita. I think that's why he stayed home, but it is an interesting point you make. When I looked at this race, uh, all I could say is, oh, my gosh, because when you see 14 in the main body and two also's and three were excluded, um, it's tough. When I do my sheets, I allow myself, not like some handicappers, I try and I can go, I allow myself to go up to five deep because I want people to understand, um, you know, that there's not just a one, two, three in a race, that if you're playing exotics or sometimes you might, fourth or fifth choice, you might bet because of the odds. And I do put fair odds on all my picks. This race also, by the way, is our national race of the week you alluded to earlier. This is available at echobase.com and at followhorseracing.com, which is, uh, 
the former NTR website, now America's Best Racing. This race, uh, wow, I mean, to you and I and fans, if you don't know, two-year-olds can improve vastly from one race to another. So the first thing I assume is that they're all going to move forward at the same pace. Now, I know that's not exactly true, but when you're looking at how well they run, how fast they run, what level they run, then you've got the issue of which horses are running stakes and which haven't. And, um, and then you've got the issue of just how fast they run. And like I said, I, I, I ended up on five here. I'm going to start with, and I'll try and go through them quick because I know of time. That's but okay. I'm going to start with the one you mentioned, Tiz Racer. He is my top choice in the race on that national analysis, the entire you know page analysis I do, trying to cover as many contenders as I can in a race like this. He just ran very strong. When, we, when I look at a horse like this and I see that he basically looks like he went wire to wire, and I know two-year-olds can sometimes get into a position where they all want to do that, and you look at this race and... There's only three horses that went wire to wire in their uh, in their one win, but when I look at I also I look at his speed figure and his pace figure. Plus, of course, I know it was visually impressive. He got what we call a pattern figure. He had earned a 103 pace figure, which would be the second call, and a 100 speed figure. So he wasn't slowing down much at all. When you see a lot of speed types, sometimes you'll see 110 and 80, and a lot of cheaper horses you'll see 90 and 50 and things like that. That means they were really slowing down, even they might have won. In this case, he was running just about as fast, and since it was under a hand ride, I think it was pretty good. You know, Additionally, being by Tiz now, I don't think there's any issue with him getting two turns, which he's trying for the first time. He's got an edge over some of these because they haven't even run a mile yet. And uh, he just looks real good, so I give him slight preference. Uh, Java's War uh, won the Sunday Silence Stakes, which is a two-turn turf race. Um, and I think he can transition from turf to polytrack as many horses do. He's one of two in the race from the McPeak Barn, and he's already won a stake. It was 150,000 stake, nowhere near this purse, but equivalent with the with anticipation we talked about, which was also on turf. When I have to line those two up, I think he's going to be a better price. So I like him. I like Dynamic Sky, the 12, even though that's not a great post. Uh, I can't recall, but there was a Ramsey horse that won two or three years ago, you might remember. Uh, won this race from the 12 post. Uh, this or the I don't outside. remember what I had for breakfast. Pardon? I do remember. I do oh. remember the Kenny McPeak <laughs> won it with, Noble Prom- with Noble's Promise, who trains Jabba's War, but I'm drawing a blank on the Ramsey horse. Yeah, well, it was a couple of years ago, and it was a big upset, too, like uh, maybe 40 to 1. But uh, so Dynamic Sky from the 12 post, but Sky Mesa, who won this race in 2000, um, and he won two state- restricted stakes races in Canada, both sprints, but he should stretch out. The 11 balance, the books, as you said, and the one Joe who were separated ahead. So I, that's the five deep I'm going in this race. But I think that, if again, if they all move forward about the same pace, and, of course, knowing Pletcher and how his two-year-olds are, you know, just usually fantastic condition, I think his racer may have a slight edge in this one. Uh, it, it's going to be a, a very, very interesting race. So, uh, any of the one horse you didn't mention was Pataki Kit. He's not in your top five. No, I just dropped him out. I, he, he improved with. His, of course, he improved a lot when he won the Futurity. Um, it was a one-turn race, which is the same as the Tiz Racer. It was also on Poly, which is good. He's got to work over the track. I can't knock him, but I dropped him out a little bit because on figures he's a little below. He's a 93. And the ones I was looking at were 195 and 94. And then actually, Dynamics Guy, Java's War, and Protecting Kid are all the same. But I like Dynamics Guy a little better because of his potential being, being the Sky Mesa to stretch out and run well, plus the fact he already won a stake. 
Uh, uh, well, I guess Pataki did too. I shouldn't say that. Um, I, I, I could have gone six deep. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think uh, whatever happens, this will be one of those races where people are going to walk away cash at cash and a nice ticket because there's just too many nice horses in there. And like you said, two-year-olds at this age, any one of them can pop up. But now we're going to go uh, on to horses that uh, have a little more experience over the track. And this is a one-mile turf race. It's the Shadwell Turf Mile. Always a fantastic race. Obviously, it wouldn't be a grade one if it wasn't. Uh, this is a Breeders' Cup win and you're in. Of course, uh, the obvious uh, uh, now horse uh, is Wise Dan. Uh, I was there uh, back uh, last year when uh, he only lost this race uh, by uh, a length and three quarters, one of the few times that uh, he actually you know, finished off the board. But uh, look who he finished off the board to. Gio Ponte, Get Stormy, and Sydney's Candy. That's pretty good company, and he's on a roll right now for Chuck Lepresti. Well, it's interesting. Uh, up until about half an hour ago when I was finalizing my selections for the card, I had Data Link as my top pick, and I looked again and I said to myself, why am I doing this? I mean, you know, Wise Dan, I, I remember the race at Woodbine, uh, his last race at Woodbine Mile. I mean, he just destroyed him at the eighth pole, and there was ne- nothing anybody could do. Um, it's interesting, Johnny Velasquez is going to stay in New York, and Jose Lascano, who I respect a lot, I think he's an underrated turf rider, is going to ride, and uh, Lepresti did give him a nice, well, of course, he stables him down here when he's not in New York, so he, his two races workouts at Keeneland are very nice. He's a true miler. When you look at down the field, you look for you know grade one horses, it sounds kind of cliche, grade one winners win grade one races, and you look at him, and you'd also say milers win miles. You know, there are just a few horses in this race that are really true pros at a mile, and he's proven to be one of them. Um, Dave Link was my close second here, though, because he did win the Makers Mark Mile, which is the spring equivalent of this race, gamely by a neck. So Lee didn't ride him in his last two. Johnny V did. And now Alex is getting back on. What's interesting is I, I'm, once in a while, you, you know, I think all handicappers out there for listeners, I'm sure some of you all try and put yourself in the trainer's mind if you can. And I was thinking, well, what was McGay doing here? Because, you know, two, two after the Makers Mark, he won the Mom Mistakes, which was at nine furlongs. And then he gave him a two-month rest and came back at the Baruch. Was the Baruch really a race that he was intending, or was he really pointing for this? Because this is the win you're in for the mile. And since he won the Makers Mark mile, you think, well, this is the race I want him to win because I want him to run in the Breeders' Cup mile. So I got the feeling the Baruch was a race in which he wasn't 100%. Plus you have the factor that Dominus, who won that race, got an easy lead, went 48 and change and 112 and change and kept going. So... He's a real close second for me. And then I'm going to give out a long shot here that's very interesting for the exotics at least. That's going to be the 12 Swift Warrior. And I bet some people haven't even heard of this horse. And I didn't either, so I looked at him. Um, he was actually a decently regarded horse back in uh, 2010 when he won his debut by nine. Then he ran second in the Foolish Pleasure, but he never did much uh, in his three-year-old year. He ran fourth in Dania B. She won the rush away. And then he took some time off, almost a year, and he's got two seconds and a win since. The win was really fascinating because it was a restricted race, horses they hadn't won in a while at Saratoga, but it was a mile. And it was a hand ride, and he ran as fast, at least, uh, again, I'm comparing horse first and looking at speed. He ran as fast or faster than Wise Dan has ever run because he got a 120 Echo Bay speed figure. If that's not a fluke, 
This horse could make a lot of noise at 30 to 1, John, and I'll throw him in and doubles partner for Fletcher also. But I think the race is between Wise Dan and Data Link. All right. Well, listen, let's go. we got to move to New York right now. We've only got like three minutes to split two races. It's the uh, Champagne and the Frisette. Uh These are uh, the, the best two-year-old Colts and Phillies on the East Coast. Let's start with the Champagne. Again, a Breeders' Cup race. i got a feeling that this is Shanghai Bobby's race to lose. He's, it's, this race, I can't separate three horses. I can't separate Shanghai Bobby, Micromanage, and Golden Sense. Uh, I, know, I know now why... O'Neill shipped Golden Sense out from California because he wants to keep him around one turn. I was thinking why he didn't run last week in the front runner formerly Norfolk Stakes, and that's why. Um, it's tough. Shanghai Bobby is improving. He's very strong. Golden Sense really impressive, and a horse can go from Maiden Winter. So Micromanage as well, very strong. I can't separate them honestly. I'm going to take from, from my perspective in betting. I'm going to bet whichever of these three goes off at the highest odds and use all of them in any gimmicks I play, pick threes and stuff, but. It, there's no question that these three horses should come together on the wire, in my opinion. All right. Well, that race at a mile, just as is the Frisette. Uh, these are, are, are fillies. Uh, again, the best on the East Coast. Uh, I'm going to have to go down uh, to, to the bottom and say that Pletcher, again, holding a heavy hand. Johnny V, uh, riding the Meadow Star winner. A dreaming of Julio, who just won as the stating Trouble line says, with authority, yeah, when you win by 16 and a quarter lengths, I think you, w- you win by authority. Yeah, it's true. There's only one horse in the race I think has a slight chance to beat her, and that's a two-my-happy-face, and the reason is this. Dreaming of Julia's win, maiden win, by 10 at 6.5, got a 90 echo base speed figure, and then she improved a lot to crush that field in the Meadowstar Stakes. My happy face ran second in her debut, but in her second race at Saratoga also, um, about a week earlier, she got a 92 figure winning by 21 lengths. And so she ran as fast or faster than Dreaming of Julie did breaking her maiden, and we know what Dreaming of Julie did in her next start. If my happy face moves up a lot like she should, like Dreaming of Julia did, and Dreaming of Julia only moves up a little, she could post a slight upset here. You're not going to get a lot of value because I think she's going to be the second pick because Dominguez is riding. But this should be a great race to watch. I, I, I think I will probably bet two bucks to win on my happy face just to say I'm right if it happens. All right. Well, Ellis Starr, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ace handicapper. He'll be at Keeneland this weekend. Ellis, I'll see you up in the press box. Thanks so much for joining us on Winning Ponies. John, thanks for having me on, and uh, good luck to everybody. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Ubercapper, and if you want to find out what kind of free picks I tweet a couple a day for various tracks. Absolutely. I hope that our Winning Ponies fans will do that. So that was Ella Starr. I also want to thank uh, Julie Baylog from Keeneland. A big week of racing all over the country. Don't forget, you've got uh, uh, Doolahan and Amazombie are, are going to be running. And so that much pretty closes it out. I'll, uh, on Sunday, uh, be at Old Friends with my old friends from the Thoroughbred Times. If you can stop by, we hope to all have a good time and then maybe swing by for the spinster at Keeneland. So for Winning Ponies, I'm John Engelhart. I'm down here in the bluegrass. Remember, when you bet with your head, don't bet over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.